Carrie read to you the account of the first uh, Pentecost when flames of fire came and rested upon the disciples. And so I'm always uh, warning congregations on Pentecost Sunday, we have a couple of little flames up here. It happened then. It could happen today. You never know with the Holy Spirit. And that really is the message of uh, the Christian doctrine of the Holy Spirit. The third person in the Trinity. That great mysterious power that overcomes and calls people into all kinds of often irrational and emotional expressions of God filling their hearts. This morning I'm going to read to you um, a passage where Jesus is talking to the disciples about the time when, when he is going to no longer be with them in the body. And he says, there's going to be this Holy Spirit coming. Don't be afraid, even though you don't understand it. We tend to be afraid of things we don't understand. We tend to be afraid of things we can't hear. We tend to be afraid of things that are bigger than us. And so on Pentecost Sunday, we're going to hear a message of what it means to have that peace, that assurance that we need that God is with us and God is at work even in ways when we can't understand how God is working. Hear now from the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John. I'll begin at the 8th verse. Philip said to Jesus, Lord... Show us the Father and we will be satisfied. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and you still don't know me? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father and we will be satisfied? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own, but the Father who dwells in me does this work. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. But if you do not, then believe me because of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes in me will also do the works that I do. And in fact, I do greater works than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever he asks in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If in my name you ask anything, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you an advocate to be with you forever. This is the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him because he abides in you, and he will be in you. I have said these things to you while I am still with you, but the advocate... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and neither let them be afraid. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. 
Yesterday I was with my daughter Julie at Andy Guest State Park. It's a new state park up in the Shenandoah Valley. And uh, she was sharing with me, she was kind of upset the other day because it's a state park and uh, she works with a lot of folks who uh, are kind of set in their ways. And she overheard some people saying how much they didn't like all the Hispanic people that go and take over the state parks. This is the staff of the state park. And she got a little weepy. She's the only person of about 25 people who speak Spanish. She said, Dad, it's the greatest thing in the world. I did a little nature study with a box turtle, and the word went out and spread like wildfire that one of the rangers spoke Spanish, and I had over 100 people when you usually get a half a dozen. Because they could hear her. Before the coming of the Holy Spirit, the disciples were frightened. Before the coming of the Holy Spirit, the city of Jerusalem was frightened. Apparently, an innocent man had just been crucified and beaten and publicly shamed and died and was buried. Apparently, somebody stole his body. Lots of people were confused by all the messages going around. Some of them were disappointed because they thought, well, if this Jesus truly is the Son of God, then why are the Romans still running around here, running the town? They were confused. They were frustrated because they didn't know what was going on. They had all these expectations that hadn't been met. They were not satisfied. And I think they were frightened because I think uh, they saw what happened to Jesus and they had been identified as Jesus' followers and therefore they were up in this room and they were frightened. They were not satisfied with their sense of security. They did not have this peace that Jesus promised. And isn't that really what we all long for? That sense of peace in the midst of a changing and uncertain world. They were not satisfied with the assurance that God was really with them. Now when they were with Jesus walking around Galilee doing all those things, they were satisfied. They were with Jesus. He was with them. (coughs) They felt it. They knew it. They were assured that God was with them. But not so now. Why had things gone so wrong? Why was there so much disunity and division and one of the disciples even betrayed Jesus? Church was coming unraveled. And then the Holy Spirit blew like a mighty wind. You might be here this morning as a disciple of Jesus and you may have some frustrations in your faith, in your religion, in your church. You might be here today with some of the same doubts and anxieties and questions that the disciples had that day of Pentecost. Is God really with us? Is God really in the church? Is God doing anything in this world that's going to set things right? Kind of frustrating. Kind of confusing. Kind of frightening. Because if God really isn't with us, then what hope has this world got? 
And so I come to you this morning, this Pentecost Sunday, to tell you some good news. I believe you are in the right place on the right Sunday. It's Pentecost Sunday, and this is a Methodist church. Now, there may be some things about Methodist churches that you think you know. Uh, there's, there, it's, a, it's a wondrous and marvelous uh, tradition to be a part of. But one of the things that a lot of Methodists aren't aware of is that we are a Holy Spirit church. Uh, Pentecostal holiness traditions in America are all over the country. You know where they came out of? These crazy Methodists. John Wesley was a person consumed with the desire for the Holy Spirit to fill him and to fill the church. We Methodists specialize in unpacking and explaining and embracing the Holy Spirit. That's really what's kind of unique about this tradition. We are not afraid of the Holy Spirit. Partly because the founder, John Wesley, spent way too much time thinking and talking and writing and explaining and expressing and experiencing the Holy Spirit. That's all he did with his entire life and being. John Wesley was driven by his desire to experience the perfect love of God. That is what he wanted, the assurance, the satisfaction that God was with him, a lifetime of pursuit of the perfection of the love of God, and he came to the place where he believed that love was in him, had come to him, and worked through him. And he wrote about it at nauseum. What is it like to be assured that the love of God has come to you? It is in you, and it works through you in the world. He called it holiness. That was the word he used to describe this assurance that the Holy Spirit of God has come to you, is working in you, and is moving through you to transform the world. Holiness. Holiness, this drive to pursue the perfect love of God to you, in you, and through you. Holiness is the word... I like to use to describe that oneness with God and creation working in the church and in the world to bring peace. That's what I like, holiness. It's that, that sense of the oneness, that sense of the purpose and the sense of the presence, the experience that God is with us. <clears throat> now, I wasn't here last week because I spent the week out on the Albemarle Sound and the Back Bay of Virginia in a 16-foot Gloucester sloop. That's a sailboat. has its mane and a jib sail. I love to sail. I love sailing. I just love being out on the water. But one of the things I love about sailing is the sense of oneness that it gives you. The, uh, the boat I had I had, a, had an outboard motor that... That, that came with it and I said I don't want that I left the outboard motor on the dock because that's not why I like to sail I don't like the noise I don't like the smell I don't like I just don't like anything about it what I love is that moment when the wind catches the sails and the boat begins to move and perform 
and I know how to trim the sails and get the best performance out of it. I like boats and I like sailing because it, it unites the cleverness and giftedness and, of human beings with the power of creation and there's this sense of, of wonder and oneness when the, when the boat begins to move. And when you think about sailboats, uh, uh, how complex they are, you know, the rigging and the... Um, uh, the, all the lines and the halyards and the stays and the masts and the sails, they're, they're a magnificent expression of human cleverness, how clever we are. And not only one, not, no one person figured that out all by themselves. It was the culmination of people over time, generations and centuries, figuring out, well, this would help here and this will help there, and you can run around, you pull this line there and it does that. They're an amazing and complex apparatus not unlike the Methodist church you wondered how, where I was going with that right most denominations are these wondrous things with lots of complex organizations and, and uh, checks and balances and ways for people to be involved and, and, and if you think about your church as a boat uh, put up that slide about our 2019 First United Methodist Church budget yeah there it is you remember that we used this back in September when we were doing our pledge campaign for having the resources for a church to be about the ministry of the church. Remember that? Well, the idea that people are scurrying all over this boat, up and down the mast, pulling all the right things, turning the tiller, knowing how to make the church move in the world so it can be about what the will and the work of God in this world. To accomplish the mission of Christ. So it's a beautiful metaphor because it calls for the cleverness and the ingenuity and the giftedness and the intelligence and the reason and the uh, organization of human beings. United with the wind. See, because it doesn't matter how great your sailboat is and how wonderful your organization is and how thorough you are in knowing how to work the rigging and how to scamper up and down the mast and turn the tiller. The tiller doesn't do a thing if the wind's not blowing. You just sit there and move it. Just so the disciples were feeling dead in the water, nothing was happening. They were frightened. They were frustrated. They were not satisfied. And on Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came. And Jesus said, you're going to do great things. You're going to do greater things than the things you've seen me do. So when you think about all the things Jesus did in his ministry, he healed, he taught, he fed the hungry, he, he um, inspired people to do works of justice, he brought, um, he brought certainty and help and healing to everybody he met. But Jesus himself was only able to reach so many people in that small area of Palestine for those three years he was in ministry. Now I want you to think for a minute how many people over the centuries the church of Jesus Christ has been able to help and heal and teach and feed and inspire and work for acts of justice and bringing mercy into this world. He said greater things, more. You're going to do more than I ever did. You ask, and the Holy Spirit will fill you, 
And you will be able to walk in this earth and be about the ministry that I have been about. And I and the Father are one and you are one in us as the Holy Spirit will fill you. Jesus loved us and he says, I want you to love each other to the point that the world can see it. And if you think about the church as a, as a, as a sailboat, it is a combination of what you're gifted with, all your intellect and all your ability all your gifts with what God does when God brings the Spirit. I think one of the biggest frustrations in the church and probably in our lives, and I know it was the problem there in Jerusalem that first day of Pentecost, is the inability we have to communicate with each other. You may have people in your life who you love, you dearly love, and there's something that, that you want them to understand, and they just don't seem to get it. And you say, how? You say, God, how can I let them understand what I'm trying to say? And they may, they may even get mad at you because they misunderstood you or you don't think that they heard you right. I think, I think that's true in our personal relationships. Some of the worst things that happen in our personal relationships are when somebody misunderstands us and they are mad at us, and it can go on an entire lifetime. And that person dies, and you wish, God, maybe in heaven they knew that I loved them. I think it happens in families. I think it happens in churches. I think it happens in government and politics. It is at the core of one of our problems. As clever human beings as we are, sometimes, somehow we're unable to figure out how to hear each other. For the Navy. Some years ago, about 200 years ago, ships at sea realized that you could see a, a boat coming a long way off, and you were always anxious because you never knew if that was friend or foe until they got close enough to where they could shoot their cannons at you or board you with their sabers. And so somebody said, wouldn't it be great to be able to communicate long distance? And they came up with the semaphore system. Semaphore system is a system of flags that you can raise that communicate at long distances. Let me get that one straight. Uh-oh, I messed up. See, semaphores aren't perfect. They are pretty clever stuff. And um, so this system was, I'm going to tie it right around the pulpit over here. Yeah, the pulpit. That's where it belongs. No, I'm going to tie it right around here. The semaphore system was designed by clever people using the best ingenuity and organization and creativity that they had. And they uh, used it for a long time. But one thing about semaphores, if I were to raise this up on a flagpole and there was no wind, there would be no communication. And so on Pentecost Sunday, what the Church of Jesus Christ celebrates and what we um, affirm and what we pray for is that God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will take our very best creative attempts and abilities to be faithful followers of Jesus and fill it. I'm going to bring the Holy Spirit right here. You didn't know this was going to happen. Oh my goodness, it's beautiful. A church that has asked God's Holy Spirit 
to move in it, a relationship where you have prayed that the Holy Spirit could help you communicate to the people that you love, are a people who have asked, they've asked God, will you send your Holy Spirit? Will you help me overcome this obstacle that I can't overcome by myself? Will you help me connect to this person? Oh my gosh, they're a Republican or a Democrat and I can't even open my mouth and they're telling me I'm wrong. Right? Have you prayed for the Holy Spirit to help you talk to the person in your life who you love who has a different political opinion than you? Have you? I have prayed for that with my dad. Say, Dad, turn off Fox News and let's pray. And we did. The Holy Spirit can do that. But it doesn't do that when we just sit around and wring our hands being frightened and frustrated and, 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 and anxious and unsatisfied. Jesus said, ask. Ask. And I will do. So this morning on Pentecost Sunday, as we Methodists unpack the Holy Spirit, I'm going to invite you to ask if there is someone in your life or a situation in your community or your church or your family or your just something that is just so frustrating to you because you just can't seem to get past it and they just can't seem to hear you God send your Holy Spirit that we might hear each other I'm going to do a very Pentecostal thing I know if you reach down on your pew, everybody just grab your pew right under. All right, Methodists are really good at hanging on to our pews, right? Just with all your might, hold on to that pew. Whatever you do, do not get out of your pew and come to the altar and ask the Holy Spirit to enter into whatever situation is frustrating you or frightening you or making you anxious or unsatisfied. Come and ask the Holy Spirit into that situation. Would you come?